Welcome to The Art of Social Media, a podcast by Social Pilot. We host in-depth discussions with world-leading social media marketing experts that will help you discover the techniques, strategies, and skills you need to use to grow your business using social media. Now, here's your host, Tejas Mehta. Content plus social, right? Tell me more about it. How do I kind of leverage the content and distribute it in social so as to make it, let's say, viral? If I were to start BuzzFeed today, for example, without a budget, you know, how would I do it? I want to make one article viral. How would you do that? Yeah, I think in order to make one article, quote unquote, viral, you have to make 100. <laughs> first of all, your success rate is like, it, it's not 100%. It, it's like 1%, 5%. It's very, very low and that's okay. So if you're trying to, and then, Here's the other part of this. You can make something viral, but have zero, zero relevancy to your product. And that's most commonly people do that. So a good example of a viral campaign that's content, it's an old one, is Will It Blend? You remember that blender company that like just built blending iPhones and all these things? That's a perfect example of like, okay, product is the focus. It's a badass blender that blends a bunch of sh- anything, right? Like viral, like every time a new iPhone came on, will it blend? Yeah, yeah, it does. The answer is yes, always, right? But like, I think a company is Blendtec. I have one of those blenders. Like they sold their product because you got one too, right? So like, it's yeah. uh, like I have to watch only how many of these blending videos. I don't know. So anyways, my point is that's a great example of like, it's tied to the product. Super tied to the product. Most companies... Everybody can succeed at viral with effort. And most, it's very rare to get virality plus product with your customer. Those are three, three areas. And I think most, most common place to fail is like where it actually fits with your product or your offering, right? Um, so for example, you know, you don't have to go viral. It doesn't have to be like millions and millions and millions of views. It has to be, it could be hundreds of mindshare. It could be, so for example, there are lots of sales influencers out there, lots of sales coaches and sales trainers, what have you. They've got thousands of, tens of thousands of fans and audiences. So if I want to reach hundreds of thousands of sales reps, I don't need to go after hundreds of thousands of sales reps. I need to get the five biggest sales coaches to engage and participate and share my stuff. And so like now I'm like laser, again, going back to targeting, I'm laser targeting five personas. I'm engaging five personas. Maybe the way to do this, maybe the way to get in front of 100,000 sales reps is to interview, start a podcast, interview five sales influencers who have that audience and give them a compelling reason to share the podcast episode with their list, with their email list, with their audience, promote it in, you know, to their network. And so... And, and, and maybe in order to get me to get the five biggest ones, I have to interview like 30 other ones to work my way up to the biggest players in the space. But now there you go. I've got, I want to get in front of hundreds of thousands of people. I've got, what's my angle on the, I've got the medium, which is a podcast. I've got the who's going to help me get there, which is the, like the 30 influencers. And then now I just got to figure out the angle. And so now your, your content team should be thinking about like, okay, is this angle? This angle, and and maybe you pitch it to people and figure and validate it, right? So a lot of times, people are like, I've got this idea. I'm gonna go like, I'm gonna blend right now. Like, that's how you get one in five hundred success, and get super lucky. The goal is not to get lucky; it's to get repeatable success. 
do one idea, pitch it, validate it. So before you start your podcast, in, like go interview folks and say, what would you actually share? Like pretend like you're starting a podcast or maybe you email folks. Maybe you know like one of the 30 sales influencers and you ask them, like, hey, like, what would I, what content, if you were in a podcast, what would you share? What, what would give you a reason to share that? Or, hey, maybe it's not a podcast. Maybe it's a video, a YouTube video. Maybe it's like an embedded article. What would I, you know, my goal is to figure out what that person would want to share and go create that. Cause that's my how to get to the who. And so I think like a lot of folks just kind of like chip away at content, uh, like just producing content. And most content is wasted because it gets very little eyeballs. And so there's three ways, in my opinion, to get maybe four. Uh, I'll talk about the three ways I know very well. One is you rank for it on SEO. So let I got a sales product. Okay, people are looking for XYZ sales product uh, or like email outreach or email follow-ups, right? That's one way. Number two is you do well on social. It's a very shareable article. Like here's the problem with 15, here's the 15 problems with all sales products or all email products. They, you know, you start making fun of it or whatever. And then it's your own audience and then they share it. So you have an email list, you have existing traffic that you can cross promote it to. And then maybe that audience helps shares it and, and maybe it'll do the other things. There's like Facebook groups and, and those such. I put them into that social category already, but most people, that's how you start it. A content piece is I'm going to create, I've got a bunch of ideas how am I, and this is where people stop. They, they say, I've got a bunch of ideas. It targets my persona, but they forget to say, how am I going to promote this? Where is this going to go? Who, like, how is this going to get out there? And then they publish a blog post or write this awesome ebook or guide or whatever. And then it goes nowhere. And so like, for example, you're a new company. If you launched a podcast, but only emailed your customers, only your customers, the, the, the hundred maybe you have, I, I don't know how many customers you have, well, of course, it's not going to go go viral because you only you didn't give it a chance. So it's a lot of the like mis detailed digging in that uh, folks folks do or don't do. Right. You talk about three methods. What's the fourth one that you didn't talk about? Uh, influencers and Facebook groups and and folk play. I mean, I'm not saying I'm not good at that, but I think that's it's all about relationships. There, you don't get good at it. It's a channel that unlocks as you you get going. It's a channel you earn as a brand. Makes a lot of sense. Let me switch gears and talk about uh, agency world, right? For brands, they have laser-focused clients and you know they can kind of experiment with strategies. For agencies who have multiple clients, it becomes very difficult to kind of you know do this detailed level of research. Even if they were to do that, it would require like a lot of resources. How do agencies win today? Doing that work, taking a couple extra steps so my opinion, I've run two agencies. First one is about like, you know, I think five, three to four million in revenue. Second one, significantly larger, hundred people. Like we target multiple international target different markets, US, Australia, uh, APAC, and in Europe. Anyways, well, the way to win is to figure out not to do a whole lot of strategies, to do the one or two, but go really deep on it. The day, uh, and what we learned is like, yeah, Look, we've got many playbooks that could work. Which of these playbooks would work for new client X or new client Y? And then what we found is like to actually hire T-shaped marketers, 
and specialists. So the specialist would be like an SEO specialist. They're good at link building or they're good at technical SEO. A T-shaped marketer is more like, okay, they have a background in SEO, but they now know conversion. They know copywriting. They know analytics. They know like messaging and all these other things. And so now they can like do a lot more than essentially what they... Well, now your company can offer more and a little bit more customization, uh, a little bit more depth. As I said, that's what's needed uh, to win as an agency. Or you can go the other way. Like be super specialized and just be the best at that, right? So both ways win, but you have like, there are millions of agencies out there that are in this like, I do things well stage. And you just can't win at being good at stuff. You have to be great. And being great these days in marketing requires depth and flexibility and outside of templated approaches. Don't, I'm not saying you can't templatize and productize your experience or your, your offering. I'm just saying have more offerings or be flexible on things you can do. Interesting. One of the issues that agencies face is the clients that they, the clients that they have, they want results tomorrow or like yesterday, right? They don't want to wait for this process to kind of mature and they don't want the process to be refined. Yeah. They just want ready results. And that becomes like a pain point for a lot of agencies. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's hard. You got to say no. You got to set the, your job as soon as you start closing a client is to set the expectations of when results will come in. And if they are not okay with those expectations, so you set timelines. Here's the, what we're going to do. And here's the outputs that are, you're going to get. And then here's when you're going to get the results. And it's like a year. Like you, It should be a long-term thing. And I think one, a lot of times what ends up happening is the, custom, the agency owner wants the business, but hasn't got them to the timeline. Yep. That's a challenge as well. And then the other challenge is uh, attracting good talent as an agency. How do you hire good resources? Uh, be it agency or be it like the multiple SaaS companies that you run? Good culture, ownership. Uh, and not like ownership of the company, but ownership of like your role, your execution, ownership of like, hey, if you've got to do some stupid idea, you, you come up with some idea and I think it's stupid. Sometimes just like let that person do that and let them come to the conclusion themselves. Like like owning something is powerful. Like we have a lot of entrepreneurial folks in our businesses that they may be like, sometimes they do like side projects. They do all these things. We want people to be entrepreneurial. We want people to, the best employees in my mind are the entrepreneurs that you can tame, right? That you can take an entrepreneur who's like free spirited and wants to do all this stuff. And you can try to get them to do this because they're going to find best ways to go do that one thing. Yeah. So it's that culture is really important. Having a very clear vision and communication and transparency is very, very important these days. A good work environment is, is good. Like, so you know, if you want to attract people, you've got to, you've got to train yourself to be a better manager, learn to come up with a vision for an agency. It's very hard. And maybe the vision is like, we want to be like, help these types of companies. Maybe it's revenue-based, maybe it's whatever anyways. And then there's um, the culture is like how much, how people enjoy working there, right? Uh, working at a company. I, I think a lot of folks uh, underestimate culture as a retention and attraction. Like, our employees attract recruit for us. They attract other employees and we want to incentivize that. Like, so our employees are helping us recruit folks because they 
we have a good culture and they want more people to work with that, with them. Right. And so they recommend somebody or what have you, but I think that's like, that's kind of the, the main ways I would say to attract uh, talent is to kind of empower these, these things and be that yourself. Like you can't just say it, you have to do it. Right. It's very easy to say, but very hard to do. How helpful is your own personal brand? Like Sujan Patel helpful in recruiting. Does it work? My personal brand helps a lot when I'm recruiting uh, marketing and, and sometimes sales folks. That my personal brand's kind of gear. I write about marketing mostly. Over time, I write about growth and product and whatnot. The, my personal brand is the foundation of everything I've done. It has helped and it's been the catalyst of launching Mailshake. It was what got us our first 100, 200 customers. It is what got us who. That's how I found my sales, uh, my co-founder. My I cold emailed them. I'm like, look, I I know this customer. I know this pain point. Here's my idea. Come join me on this journey. I think it's helped. So it recruited my co-founder. It's helped me a lot when I talk to folks because I don't have to tell them about our culture. What I've done, this interview in six months tells them about my culture because I've Right when I'm saying this now, in six months, I've said it and I lived it, right? Even if I lied, it feels like I lived it because I said this, right? So uh, versus telling the world versus in, in a podcast interview versus telling them in an interview, very, very different, right? My influence is much, much higher. And they know that like, I'm going to do X, Y, Z because they've, I wrote about it and all this stuff, right? I've got so, so much like random content and whatnot uh, about these things. So it's definitely helps a lot. And we encouraged all of our team to build their own personal brand. We actually helped them. So like all of our rep, all of our, our sales and marketing and anyone customer facing, we're actually helping them build their personal brands on LinkedIn because that's where our customers are. But, and I'll tell you, it even helps the sales reps build influence and trust with their sales leads. So when someone's on a demo and they're like, oh, this is awesome. Like we have a rep named Maggie and she's like crushing it on LinkedIn. She's always posting awesome stuff. And like a prospect engages with her on that. And so like when I tell them to get on a call, prospect is like, I trust what Maggie's going to say. She's been writing about this for like the last six months. I've been following her on this blah, 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 right? Topic. So personal brand and branding in general has been like the catalyst, in my opinion, for, I would say the slingshot for, for all the things I've done. And I was really late to the game. And so what people don't know is you don't just build a personal brand. Like, hey, they just, you should invest in personal brand. Boom, I've got it. No, you got to spend time. I've been doing this for 20 years. And since 2013, I've written a piece of content. Like I've published a piece of content almost every week. That's a lot of weeks of publishing content, right? Whether it's a podcast interview, whether it's a, a blog post, a video, whatever, right? I'm doing something actively every week to get out there, to be out there. And so you earn it. But before I launched Mailshake, so I started doing all these SaaS companies about 2015. What people don't know is in 2013 and 14, that I spent all of my effort building my personal brand. I launched an ebook. So before I launched Mailshake, I built my email list launching an ebook called 100 Days of Growth. And I sold 50,000 copies, got 50,000 people to subscribe to my blog. And when I launched Mailshake, all I did was email these 50,000 people, not once. Like I, Said, here's, hey, I'm thinking, I'm starting this company. Here's what, here's where we're at. Here's some content. And that's what got us our first 200 customers. And so, like, 
And don't ever stop building your personal brand. And personal brand doesn't have to be for individual. It could also be for a company. That's why I think content and the education piece is so key. If you look back to, I don't even think we have those articles anymore, but on Mailshake, we, we, Colin and I started working together in February, 2015. Our first article was published March 1st. Our product was released like six months later. We already had an audience before we had a product. So like, if you have an idea, start content right there. Then execute whenever you have the ideas by. Looks like personal branding has done miracles for you, man. And I've been pretty late to the game and missing out. How do I start building my brand? Uh, in, like, I don't have the option of taking two years off, but short of that, what would you suggest? Yeah, I, I didn't take two years off, by the way. I spent, but like I was heads down just trying to get it. Find a medium. So a place you can create content, publish content. Instead, you know, I think what you're doing with this podcast, double down, perfect, right? Perfect example. So you got to get, your job is to get really good interviewees and you got to ask amazing questions and extract all this information from smart people. And, and boom, now you're not the source of, in, you're not the like creator of information, you're the source of information, right? Um, so find your angle, I think is, is the key and then find your medium where you can keep doing it. and. And then repeat for two years every week. <laughs> Repetition is the key because you build influence over time and keep having an email list and all that stuff. So it's the same basic principles of, of building a company, but build a, while you're building your company, do this as well. It's another job. You know, I kind of devote like half day Fridays for this. Get out there. And yeah, that's, that's what I would do. And it, it's slow. I, I didn't say it's fast. That's what I, that's what I would do. Well, I'll get started on this. And if I get stuck, I know who to reach out to. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. My last question to you, Sujan. We talked about what's working today and how things are changing today. Where do you see content and social going tomorrow? How is the space shaping up? I think the where things go, it's already happening now. You create your piece of content that you own on your blog or your website. How you share it is different in every social network. So on Twitter, Right now, I don't just share a link and say, here's my article. I would create a tweet storm, you know, rant on that topic. It's the same freaking topic. I'm just sharing it in a different way. On LinkedIn, I just talk about this like long, like short sentences, short paragraphs about this problem. And then like the solution and distill the information in like a quick paragraph, a quick, maybe two bullet points, and then link to the co- link uh, article on the comments. On Facebook, I'd just make a video about it. So every, And then TikTok, I'd literally say in my article, I have five points and, and my, I'd just make five or one video of all these points. On Instagram stories, I'd make five videos. And boom, one article has now become different in all these different places. And the great thing about this, who invent, like, who's the master at this? I don't know if he invented this, is Gary V. Gary V has like 20 articles. That's it. Like there's like 20 articles 20 things he says just in freaking different ways. And he zooms in on one or like, you know, talks about three or four and, and that's it. Right. Like he's done 20 and like, I don't want to discount what he's done. I want to say like, he's taken a book and turned that book into like 5,000 pieces of content. And then those 5,000 pieces of content have turned into like 50 different things that he can share every day in like super short forms. And he's really, really nailed the Like, different angle 
by di- for different mediums. So what I talk about in podcasts, right? Got this like, like Gary Vee is like, I got this loud voice and I'm like the rebel and like whatever, right? And on content, he's like, you know, in written form, he's different. And TikTok is different. On interviews, he's different. So it's like on stage, he's loud or whatever, right? So that's kind of, I'd say like, look at what Gary Vee is doing and, you know, where it's going is already started. And I think the algorithm, like play to all the social networks algorithm, they're getting smart. They want to own the content. They want to own that user and keep them on the website. And you don't need, obviously, as a website or business owner, you want people to go to your website, but you do not need the user to come to your website to gain influence, right? The age old, it takes seven touches, eight touches in marketing to leave a lasting impression. That's a touch. And it might be a second touch. It might be a third touch. And they may never even go to your website. How Now, the next challenge is going to be how to measure that. I don't know. I'll let you know when I figure it out. I try not to measure it. Sure. So basically, customize the content to the social media channel. Be the same messaging, but just don't blandly post it everywhere else. Really customize it to the audience and the channel. And then that's how you'd win tomorrow. Absolutely. And I think how you can win as a product is if you, you know people are publishing on all these channels, you know the content, people are sharing it. How can you like extract the content and present it and help the user present it in an easier way, like transition that over? So you got a blog post with like five bullet points in Twitter. Say, hey, like you want to share on Twitter, you've got to create five tweets. You got to create a tweet storm. On LinkedIn, you've got to say, what's your problem statement? You know, you, you get what I'm saying. Like, I think you can help do that. And like, Buffers, Hootsuites, so, Spouse Social, they're building SOC 2 and, you know, like account management features. They're not thinking about this. Yeah, yeah. Makes a lot of sense. A uh, lot of great ideas. Lastly, who are the people you're following on content and social space apart from Gary Vee? I don't know. I think I just kind of roam around the web these days. I, I think I don't follow the people. I follow the execution of brands. So anytime I see a brand doing really well, I try to find like the person behind it. And, and just say hi uh, on, on LinkedIn and build that connection. I think two agencies I admire uh, are like Foundation Inc. and Siege Media. Both those guys' name are... So just follow the Rosses. Both of them are named Ross. The Rosses are cool. Uh, and then just follow the brands they talk about. I think Foundation Inc. talks about a lot of different brands and what they did to like get there. If you look at those brands and follow what they're doing, I find that you're going to learn a lot more than any individual. Interesting. Wonderful. Sujan, where can the listeners find you on the web? Uh, best place to go is my personal website, sujanpatel.com. Also, Melshake's blog is good or on LinkedIn. Sounds great. Well, thanks a lot for your time. I have a personally a lot of actionable insights and I'm sure a lot of listeners would have too. And as always, we'll get back to you if you have more questions. But this was very insightful. Thank you so much. My pleasure. All right. Take care. The Art of Social Media is brought to you by Social Pilot. To find out more about Social Pilot and how we can give you everything you need to hit your social media marketing goals, visit socialpilot.co. And then make sure to search for The Art of Social Media in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found. Make sure to click follow so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Social Pilot, Thanks for listening.